Chapter Three of A Crown for Joanna by Sister Mary Jean Dorsey, O.P. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: The Long Road to Avero. The victory over the king was not gained so easily after all. In the first place, the convent to which Alfonso allowed his daughter to go was not that of her choice, but of his. The monastery of Dominicans at Avero, where the austerity prescribed by the holy founder was still fervently observed, was considered an unsuitable place for a royal applicant because of its social and unimportance. The Dominicans had been in Portugal for two hundred years, but they still were rigorous in their poverty, and, like the parents of Juan Thomas of Aquino two centuries before, Alfonso did not want his daughter to join an order of mendicants. So he sent her to the royal abbey of Bernardines at Odivelas. Here most of the sisters were themselves of noble lineage, and they were delighted to have their princess as a companion. She was established in the guest house with her four ladies in waiting, and two of the Bernardine sisters to act as secretaries. This, for a soul who wanted nothing more than poverty and obscurity, and the chance to serve God in humble duties and in solitary prayer, Joanna had barely arrived at Odivelas when a brilliant cavalcade was seen winding up the narrow streets from the south. In the lead was a sullen youth on a splendid black horse. Juan. Joanna sighed. Trouble. But her heart almost stopped beating when she saw the heavy, much overdressed lady who descended from the woman's carriage at the center of the caravan. It could be no one but Aunt Philippa. Aunt Philippa was a relative of her father's, who appeared on the scene with amazing rapidity whenever there was excitement in the air. She was, like so many others who cannot manage their own homes, a born matchmaker and meddler in general, and she scented trouble among her kinsfolk almost before they were themselves aware of it. Between family crises she amused herself with her friend's business, but always when anything interesting happened in any branch of the family she could be counted on to put in an appearance. To Joanna, who already had her father and brother to deal with, the arrival of Aunt Philippa was almost more than she could bear. She greeted her courteously, as was expected of a young relative. Aunt Philippa was effusive. "'My dear, dear niece,' she cried, kissing Joanna warmly, "'I couldn't believe it when they told me you were here. I said, I'll have to see it for myself. Why didn't you send for me, dear? What a dull place for you, the pride of the family!' Where on earth did you get the idea of coming here? Or was it your father's notion? It was my own wish, said Joanna, and the call of God. Ah, but my child, Aunt Philippa wagged her jeweled forefinger knowingly, God placed you on a throne. He never meant for you to hide away. You have just been reading a lot of those silly old stories about the saints. My dear, somebody ought to do something about it. Why, the day of saints is over long ago. The idea of your wasting your young life here, with these dull people pursuing a worn-out notion. I don't pretend I'm a saint, Aunt Philippa, explained Joanna patiently. I just have my heart set on being one, some day, and this is a good place to do it. Well, that's a nice idea, and all that, admitted Aunt Philippa, condescendingly. But you mustn't worry about it. Ugh, going around with a black veil wrapped around you, thinking gloomy things, and looking mournful. Why, you're young and pretty, if I do say it myself. The women in our family have always been good-looking. You can worry about those things when you get old. Then will be time enough to pray. Look at me. 
Do I look as if I stayed awake nights worrying over being a saint? Joanna had to admit that she didn't. So come now, coaxed Aunt Philippa. Be a good girl. You were always such a good, obedient little girl, Joanna. Come, get your cloak and come home with me. Your poor father is simply beside himself with the very thought of your being here. I am sorry to oppose you, Aunt Philippa, said Joanna, but I am sure it is the will of God that I serve him in religion. Ah, but I am not so sure, said Aunt Philippa, looking very wise. You must leave it to me, child, I said to your father. You men don't know a thing about a young girl's heart, and this proves it. Now you and Juan just stay out of this and let me handle it. I've had experience in things like this. Joanna has always been just the dearest little friend of mine, and I know exactly what she wants. That's what I said to him, so he let me talk to you alone. Now, she dropped her voice to a confidential whisper, you must leave it to me. I'll have a fine, handsome young man for you in no time at all. I have just the very one in mind. Joanna started to protest, and Aunt Philippa hurried on. Don't tell me, dear. I'd know just how you feel. I don't blame you for running off to the convent to escape those doddering old clowns your poor dear father wanted you to marry. That Frenchman! Ugh! They say his own brother poisoned him because he was so disagreeable. Men don't understand those things. You just leave it to your Aunt Philippa. Joanna sighed. What was the use trying to explain to a person who did not realize that there were spiritual values, let alone respect them? I don't think you quite understand, Aunt Philippa, she said. I don't want to marry, ever. I want to consecrate myself to God. Yes, of course that's the way you think you feel, dear, said Aunt Philippa indulgently. All young girls get these romantic streaks. They soon recover. Poor dear, you haven't really had the right training. I've neglected you, I know. I should have paid more attention to you since your darling mother died, but I'll make up for it now. I truly will, dear. I'm taking a house here in Olivella's, where I can be near you in this difficult time, and I know we can work something out together. A bewildered and worried Joanna watched the cavalcade turn down into the town. She had but one consolation. Aunt Philippa never stayed with any one thing very long. She was soon tired of the dull life of Olivella's, and longed for the gaiety of her own circle. Of course, there was the very real possibility that everyone else would tire of Aunt Philippa long before then. In this she was quite correct. For two arduous months Aunt Philippa took up her stand daily in the convent parlor to use all the arguments she could frame on the unfortunate girl. Eventually Joanna gave up trying to present her case, and the affair resolved itself into an endurance contest. Nothing could weaken Joanna's resolution, but the conflict upset her nervously, and she was further disturbed because Aunt Philippa and her numerous noisy followers daily upset the discipline of the house and kept everything in a perpetual state of emergency. At last, in desperation, she wrote to her father, asking if she could go to another convent at a greater distance to have some respite from Aunt Philippa. In preparation for this, she wished to return to the court. Alfonso was delighted. He felt that she had probably had enough of convent life and would be ready to return to court for good. But a few minutes' conversation with her when she returned dissipated this hope. She was more than ever determined to go to Avero, and Aunt Philippa's interference was just one more argument with which he had to sympathize. Alfonso refused to let her go to the Dominicans. He pleaded that her health was much impaired by her stay at Odivella's. 
she could never stay on the rigorous life of Rivero, but he did allow her to go to the convent of the poor Clares at Coimbra. From there it would be possible for her to take a part in the affairs of the kingdom. Regretful, but glad at least of this concession, Joanna prepared for another long journey, and very shortly they were on the road again. This time the king wished it known that he approved of his daughter's choice. Rather, he disregarded her choice and gave his blessing to what was in reality his own plan. Why he approved of even this is not quite clear. Perhaps his conscience was bothering him, or perhaps there were murmurs from the people who loved Joanna very dearly that he was being too harsh with the girl. Whatever his reason, he conducted his daughter in true royal style along the road to Coimbra. The long procession of attendants were gaily dressed, and there were merrymakers in the sound of musical instruments. Joanna's heart was heavy. She must have been able to see through her father's motives. In any case, she was grieved that he had so misunderstood her own. So on the road, one day out of Lisbon, she made a last attempt to win her point. Tomorrow the road would divide, she told her father. One road led to Coimbra, one to Aveiro, but only one to her happiness. She threw herself on her knees and begged him to take her to Aveiro. After long pleading, he gave in, and in the morning they took the road to her chosen home. Juan was furious. He would have turned back, but dared not openly oppose his father. So in stubborn silence he rode along, plotting to overthrow her plans. Sister Lenora could hardly believe her eyes when Joanna stood before her and assured her she was at last to be permitted to enter the convent of her choice. They had dreamed and prayed so long for this day's coming that when it actually came they could be hardly believe it. On August 4th, feast of the holy founder St. Dominic, Joanna heard Mass with her father and brother, and afterwards was taken into the cloister. The king insisted on treating the whole affair outwardly as the whim of the princess. They should humor her, he said, and it would pass off like many other girlish fancy. He made royal gifts to the convent, and then, with a sulking wand beside him, sighed and rode away. For Alfonso knew by now that the princess was a woman of her word. He might treat the affair only as a whim, to relieve the anxiety of the court, but Joanna did not act upon whims. She was gone, and gone for good. And Alfonso, who loved his daughter, was sad. Rumors drifted back to Joanna of the uproar in the court when it became known that she intended to stay at Avero. Juan had put on mourning as though his sister were dead, and Lully insisted that he was not going to shave until she came back to the court. "'I am afraid he will have quite a beard,' said Joanna to Sister Lenora, "'for this is my rest for ever and ever. Here will I dwell, for I have chosen it.' "'I hope that is true,' said Lenora to herself. "'But somehow I am afraid. The world is a bitter foe.'" End of Chapter 3 Recording by Maria Therese